Hi, welcome back to the teaching portion of our worship time together. Uh, just to recap from last week, we started a new sermon series talking about our bodies and how the scripture speaks to our bodies. And just to recap for last week, if you want to go back and catch it, but if you don't, maybe I can recap it with this. Uh, God made us on purpose, made our bodies on purpose for a purpose, and that what we do with our bodies matters to God. Now, I know some of you are asking, if I could recap it and say it that quickly, why didn't I just say it that quickly last week during the message? Uh, today, we're going to continue our sermon series talking about the body, and we're going to talk about um, the feeling that we don't necessarily fit in our body, or maybe we're ashamed of our bodies, or uh, maybe we don't feel like, or maybe we feel like if we could just change our bodies, uh, things would get better for us. Uh, for example, I have uh, lived through being ashamed of my body uh, several different times in my life. You know, I always wanted to uh, have a six-pack of abs. Um, I have more like a uh, beach ball type of abs. I know there's muscles under there, but they're covered with a uh, svelte layer of fat, and it's because I like to eat ice cream. Um, and then uh, sometimes I want to impress my wife, and I want to be strong and muscular like uh, Thor from the Marvel movies, because I know when she sees Thor on the movie screen, uh, she, her heart begins to flutter just a little bit. And, you know, and sometimes I think, man, if I, if I could only change my body, then then in, in some way to make it better, then I could be more impressive or I could impress somebody else or maybe I could just be satisfied with myself. With myself. Um, but the scripture kind of explains what's kind of going on in our mind. Um, scripture in Romans chapter 8, it says that all of creation has been subjected to the judgment of God because of sin. All of creation has been subjected to futility. And what that means is all of creation is kind of broken and um, needs to be redeemed and remade and made new how God intended. This includes our bodies. It, it says all of creation in Romans 8 is crying out to be made new. Um, and we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies where our bodies would be made new as well. So when we go back and we remember that God made us and he made us for a purpose and what we do with our bodies matter, then we also have to consider that our bodies are broken and we need to be redeemed by Christ. Maybe you have felt like you don't fit into your body as sometime as well too. Or maybe you feel you maybe felt ashamed of your body or, or maybe you felt like, man, if you could just change your body in some way, maybe add something to your body or maybe take something off of your body or maybe put something into your body, then all of a sudden those feelings that are going on within you would change and you'd be satisfied and you'd find peace and you'd be able to live your life to the fullest if you could just change something about our body, about your body. Um, I have never experienced there is such a thing where people um, have such a disconnect feeling and such a disconnect experience and emotion in their body. It's known as gender dysphoria, where they think, man, I, I belong in a totally different body than the one I have. I've never experienced that, but I have had sin, this brokenness that my body has experienced, twist my desires and wants in other ways. And sin has even twisted who I think I am and how I think about my body. And maybe you've experienced that too. I want to tell you, and I want to give you hope that God gives us the answer to our questions and even the solution to the problems we have with our body in Jesus Christ. 
today we're going to be rolling all through Scripture because we want to capture this whole idea that God wants to redeem our bodies, but the how he redeems our body is maybe a way that you haven't thought of. God wants us to be confident and secure in the bodies we have, waiting, although we know they're broken, waiting to be redeemed. He wants us to be able to experience life to the full, and he wants us to be able to experience satisfaction and peace, but it, it's not by the way that we think it comes. God created a body for us that can answer our questions, that can give us solution to our own body problems, and the body he created is the body for Jesus Christ. Here's, here's kind of how I want you to think about this. God prepared a body for us so that we could be saved, and it is the body of Jesus Christ. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 in your Bibles, and I'll tell you what I mean, and I'll tell you what the Scripture says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse uh, beginning with verse 5, it says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, Jesus said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Jesus is telling this to God the Father. Jesus the Son, who is God, is telling God the Father in this prayer, in this psalm, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. I have come to do your will, my God. Jesus was prepared a body to come to earth and to do the will of the Father. Now, what? this is something that um, I think is very difficult to understand, uh, but we can try to explain it. This is something that uh, some theologians call the, the most misunderstood and most difficult to understand and most difficult part of uh, God to believe, that God actually became human and came to earth to be with us. Now, there are some other difficult parts of Scripture maybe to believe. Um, some people have trouble with the uh, atonement, that Jesus could die in our place and that his blood would cover over our sins and make us right with God. Some people have difficulty with that one. Um, some people have difficulty with the virgin birth, that Jesus was born to a virgin. Mary had never experienced sexual intercourse, and yet she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Some people have difficulty um, thinking about the miracles Jesus performed. You know, he really did heal people. He made blind people see. He made people who were deaf hear. He made the, the mute be able to speak. He healed sicknesses. He cast out demons. He even raised the dead. Some people have trouble with those miraculous events. Um, some people, I, I, I think this is a hang-up for a lot of people, they don't believe that any person can resurrect from the dead. You know, they've never experienced that in their life, and yet Jesus rose from the dead. He really did rise from the dead after being dead three days, and then he is still alive today. I think that's the one I have trouble wrapping my mind around. But some theologians say, God becoming human, God becoming something he wasn't before, Jesus the Son who is God, the, immort the immortal taking on flesh is the most difficult miracle to understand in all of Scripture or the most difficult miracle to wrap our minds around. Um, Jesus left heaven, he descended to earth, and he became human. He was both fully God and fully human. He became something he wasn't. He really became flesh and blood, and he became just like you and me in a real body, and yet Jesus never sinned. 
And after he became human, he stayed human. This is, this is so difficult for us to grasp. When he arose from the dead in a new redeemed body, revealing to us what our body, resurrected bodies would be like, he ascended into heaven in that body. There is a very real human at the right hand of God interceding for us, Jesus Christ, who is God and is human. Jesus became human without losing any of his deity so that he could understand by experience what it means to be human. Hebrews chapter 2 kind of says it like this in in verses uh, 14 through 17. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus became fully human in every way. So why is this important? I think the main reason why this is important is that Jesus understands what we're going through. As a human, Jesus submitted himself to every single type of suffering and temptation that we go through. Maybe not the exact temptation or maybe not the exact temptation you've gone through, but the type of temptation or suffering that you are going through or the type of experiences that you have or the type of emotional distress or questioning that you have, he has experienced that type. For example, Jesus as a human experienced physical pain. You know, um, he experienced physical pain. Part of the pain of growing up, falling down, scraping your knees. Uh, later, the pain of the cross, um, where they nailed him to the cross and his back was scourged and a crown of thorns was put on his head. Jesus knew physical pain. If you've ever experienced physical pain in your body, Jesus knows what you're going through. Uh, he also has experienced emotional pain. Shame, for example. When he was hung on the cross, Jesus was hung on the cross uh, with no clothes on. The Roman act of crucifixion was supposed to not only torture a person to death, but also shame them. And so they were hung naked on the cross. Jesus experienced being ugly. Um, that's something I don't think we think about. But Isaiah the prophet tells us that he wasn't much to look at. People were not drawn to him because he was naturally good looking. Jesus experienced rejection. You know, all of his disciples rejected him. The leaders, the Pharisees, the celebrities of Jesus's day uh, rejected him. They mocked him. Um, they lied about him. Now, Isaiah 52, I mentioned that prophet. He uh, says it, he says it like this, or excuse me, Isaiah 53 verses two. He says this, he grew up before him like a tender shoot like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one with from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. And surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Jesus knows pain and suffering. He knows physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. He knows what we go through. He even submitted his body as a human, submitted himself to hardship and isolation, ill treatment, malice, misunderstanding. And then, most of all, he submitted his body to death. 
the immortal allowed himself to die. And not just any death. I mentioned death on a cross. It was meant to shame people. It wasn't meant for citizens. It was only meant for slaves and criminals. Jesus allowed himself to die as a slave and as a criminal. In all of this, he didn't sin. That's part of the good news. Out of this terribleness that Jesus allowed himself to suffer. Now, he suffered in the body. But when we suffer in the body, it's ourselves that are, is suffering. Our body is who we are. It's not all that we are, but it is not any less than who we are. When Jesus allowed himself to suffer, he actually took sin onto his body and he suffered in our place. This is most important for Jesus to understand what we're going through. Because when sin put, was put on his body in our place, he actually experienced what it means to feel like he doesn't belong in his body. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, uh, listen, this is, this is key. Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus absorbed sin in his body. First Peter chapter 2 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus never experienced the emotion of gender dysphoria, but when he who had no sin was made sin for us, it was the ultimate experience of being in the wrong flesh, being in the wrong body. There's no greater dysphoria ever experienced than he who had no sin to experience and take on and absorb the sins of the world. And he went through all of that for you and for me. Jesus, if we can wrap our minds around this, is the most understanding, most compassionate person you will ever meet. And he is still the most understanding and the most compassionate person you will ever meet. Through his death and resurrection, he understands you. And if you would turn to him and go to him and plead for him, he will, because he understands, he will give you grace and mercy to endure whatever you're going through. All we need to do what we need to hear, and this is important that we need to hear this. There's nothing we can do to our bodies, nothing we can add to them, put in them, or surgically remove from them that will bring us peace and satisfaction to our soul. I like the way Sam Albury, a theologian who wrote about what God says about our bodies, I like the way he says it. I want to read this quote. We all experience the curse of the fall in bodily ways. But the answer to the problems in our body, along the answer to any of our problems, is never going to be found in our body itself. Nothing we can do to our body will help us to feel that we are our true self, at least not in a true and lasting way. We can alter our appearance. We can change much of what we think to be wrong, but we can never find the real freedom we so deeply crave in our own bodies. That's why God prepared a body for us in the person of Jesus Christ. God added to the body of Christ our sins, our iniquities, and our transgressions, our pain and our suffering, our uh, emotional distress, our dysphoria. He added that to Jesus's body so that he could be cut, he could be killed, and we could be redeemed and have life. Isaiah 53 
Verse 5 says it this way. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Now, there are some language and words in there that we don't always talk about. Transgression is this word for sin, that it means we've rebelled against God. We've raised our fist to him and said, we don't want your way. We're going to do things our way. And everybody's done that. Iniquities is a a word for sin that means we twist what God has given us that is supposed to be good, and we've twisted it and perverted it into something bad. We've all done that. I like to talk about how I've twisted a very good and perfect gift that God has given us ice cream into something that's an idol. Because when I get sad or depressed, sometimes I turn to ice cream for comfort. And you know, ice cream does comfort us in a short, temporary way, but doesn't give us any lasting satisfaction and always makes me feel a little bloated and fat afterwards. But I've twisted it. It's iniquity. That's what we do with the good things God has given us. And sin, sin means missing the mark. You know, God has a standard that he has set. When he originally created bodies, he created them to be good, and he set a standard for us to uh, have responsibility in his kingdom, to rule in his place as ambassadors, made in the image of His, of him. But we've all missed that mark. We've fallen short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came to rescue us. God took takes away um, the dignity of Christ, He adds to the body of Christ our shame, and in the sufferings of Christ, we can be made whole and healthy and pure and clear. And uh, just we can finally find satisfaction when we turn to Christ. So how do we do that? The scripture uses metaphors um, when it says words like, look to the body of Christ for healing. In the Old Testament, there was a story about how um, God had brought punishment upon his people for rebellion by causing them to be snake bit with poisonous snakes. And he made Moses make this brass snake. And he said, Moses, if you hold up this brass snake and if the people would look to that brass snake and, and trust that I can heal them, they will be healed. And so Moses formed this brass snake and he held it up. And when the people looked at it, they were healed. Jesus comes along and he says, just like the snake was lifted up in the desert, so the son of man will also be lifted up that anyone that looks on him will be healed. When we look to the body of Christ, we can receive healing. It's a, it's a metaphor. Hebrews chapter three, verse one says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Hebrews 12, uh, verse two and three says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your thoughts toward Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter four, it says it this way in verse eight. I kind of like this idea. It helps me understand a little bit better. Um, he says uh, in verse eight, Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, Verse 18, excuse me. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what on, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus Christ is not seen to us right now. But if we take that metaphor, fix our eyes on Jesus, what it means is we begin to think 
about Jesus. We begin to meditate on what it meant for him to go to the cross. We entrust ourselves to that death that Jesus experienced in his body and the resurrection he experienced in his body. And we entrust ourselves to that death and resurrection. And as we meditate on that, and as we entrust ourselves, and as we believe, the scripture calls it believes, uh, that's a metaphor for fixing our thoughts on Jesus. There's a couple of things that happen when we do that. One, when we fix our thoughts on Jesus, we take our main emphasis, the, the main thing we're thinking about, and we move it off of our circumstances, off of our body, and we put it on the body that can save us. Now, that doesn't mean our bodies instantly change. It doesn't mean our circumstances instantly change. It doesn't mean the emotional distress that we're under completely goes away. What it means is, as we fix our thoughts and minds on, on Jesus, that he gives us the strength we need to endure what we're going through in our bodies. He gives us the mental capacity and the emotional strength to endure the emotional distress we're under. He gives us the ability to be right with God and to order our lives right so that we can honor God with the bodies that he gave us. This is what fixing our thoughts on Jesus will do for us. And as we learn to fix our thoughts on him, our eyes on his body more and more, we start loving him more and more. And we begin to love him more than anything else we love in this world, more than we love our own bodies, more than we love our wants or our needs or even our comfort. We will end up, because we love Jesus so much, because he loved us, because he gave his body for us, because he, um, because he submitted himself to suffering for us, because he did that when we didn't love him, when we didn't even know him, he was doing that for us. We fall in love with him. This is what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus, to understand his body was prepared for us. And then because we love him so much, we love him more than we love anything else this world has to offer. I love how Jesus, when we do this, gives us finally peace in our minds and in our emotions and even peace with our bodies. And then we begin to use our bodies to serve him. And we find out that we were created in the image of God. Um, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to go and take our bodies, the ones he's given us, and use it to serve others, to show people the love that Jesus showed us. We actually become the hands and feet of Christ. I don't know why this is, but I love it. God always, not always, but he tends to most often use servants to carry out his will. He sends angelic messengers and he sends humans in their bodies to do his will. And everywhere we go, we're supposed to take the kingdom of God to other people to help them have love and peace and forgiveness. So we're supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus. And as we do that, he changes our attitudes, our emotions, our desires, and even gives us satisfaction with our bodies so that we're able to live for him. And it may not happen all at once for you. You might have to grow into that, but he really can, through the body that was prepared for you and through the body of Christ, change your life, transform you from the inside out. There is no greater joy to be had than when we fix our eyes and thoughts and hearts on Jesus. And when he orders our lives right and he orders our bodies right to serve him, 
we can find something better than all the temporary joys this world has to offer and all the temporary satisfaction, alterations and procedures and things we put in our bodies can, can bring us. He provides us eternal joy and satisfaction. Jesus Christ, through his body, rescues us from sin, redeems our bodies, and even redeems our emotions and minds. Uh, Hebrew, one last scripture, Hebrews chapter 7, um, says it this way. I have one more scripture and one more quote. Um, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 through 27. It's talking about how Jesus, using his body, becomes the great high priest that can give us forgiveness and, and peace. Verse 23 says, now there have been many of those, those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save us completely, those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. We have a real human person interceding for us in a real human body. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he stayed in his human body. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. And unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself, when he offered his body in our place. One last quote from Sam Alberry: In Christ, our bodies are no longer identified by what we do with them or by what others have done to them, but by what Jesus has done for them. And so we await the redemption of our bodies with patience. And in the meantime, we learn what it means to use our bodies for our new master and savior.